Good evening, everybody. We uh, <clears throat> appreciate the opportunity to be back with you tonight uh, for our weekly Bible study, and uh, thankful for this opportunity God's afforded us. As you pray for us tonight, we'll be in Romans chapter 13. We're going to get on with this, but uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, after we pray, we'll get into uh, our study tonight. Like I said, we'll be in Romans chapter number 13 tonight. Romans chapter number 13. <clears throat> Our Father, as we bow in thy presence tonight, God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this privilege, this opportunity, God, to uh, surrender ourselves unto thee. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, God, your gracious mercy, God, that you have extended toward us, a fallen people. God, we're so very grateful and thankful. God, that you love us, God, and for your mercy and for your grace that you extend toward us, uh, God, when we uh, certainly don't deserve it. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, you watch over us. Bless thy word tonight, God, we pray, as we read and study. Uh, God, let us be good stewards of thy word. Let us rightly divide it, uh, God, in accordance with thy Holy Spirit, Father, tonight. Watch over us, keep us, and care for us. We pray most of all. Uh, God, for those that are lost and undone, know not Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin, I pray that uh, they would come to find thee precious to their never-dying soul before they slip off into eternity. God, we pray for all of our sister churches, God, who may be running revival. We pray, God, that uh, thy mighty hand, God, would be in the midst. We pray that you'd bless the men of God as they stand and preach thy word tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God, for loving us. Watch over us now. Keep us in care for us. We thank you and praise you for what you do. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. We are <clears throat> uh, thankful to be with you tonight. And uh, we're going to, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Uh, we're going to read this in its entirety, not but 14 verses tonight. Good Lord willing, we're going to try and get all these covered. Romans chapter number 13, verse number 1, the scripture reads, Let every soul be subject unto the higher, unto uh, the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but uh, to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for <clears throat> he beareth uh, not the sword in vain. <clears throat> for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause uh, pay you tribute, tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill uh, to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, uh, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill uh, the lust thereof. <clears throat> so as we get into Romans 13, like I said, that's correctly reading. That's 14 verses. And uh, ask that you pray for us tonight that we would uh, uh, be able to say and do that which is uh, needful. And as we've already prayed, we most certainly want to rightly divide God's word. I believe that uh, there's a lot of opposition uh, today and uh, a lot of people taking it out of context. And I certainly don't want to be one of them. So, uh, nevertheless, this is a, uh, this is a, a pretty tough chapter. It has some interesting concepts that Paul's talking about in it. And I, <clears throat> I'm going to spend just a few minutes here at the beginning talking about a little bit of history because I think that the history is needful um, to help us kind of understand where uh, Paul is coming from and the weight of what he's saying. So he said, "Let every subject be so, uh, be, but let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, are ordained of God." So there's a lot in that verse, and I just want to say, uh, just for a few minutes, you've got to uh, realize where Paul is coming from, <clears throat> and where primarily Paul is coming from uh, is this history uh, of Roman rulers and emperors that. Uh, that put uh, a lot of burden on the Christian church. When I say a lot of burden, uh, uh, there was, I mean, it cost them their lives. And um, that this is what we get into um, when we talk about, and I know I spent probably two weeks talking about Romans chapter 12, verse number one and two. Uh, but when it talks about making yourself a living sacrifice, this this get back into this yet once again because we get into uh, the historical concept of this. We get into the place where you had Claudius, uh, and then you had uh, Nero, uh, and then from Claudius uh, you went into Nero. Nero reigned from AD 54 to approximately 68. He killed himself after he'd murdered his mother and his uh, and his wife, um, and then he killed himself in AD 68, and then. Uh, uh, Vespasian uh, was the emperor in uh, uh, roughly A.D. 70. But I said all that to say this. Uh, Romans was written around A.D. Uh, 57, somewhere in that neighborhood in that range. So Nero uh, was uh, the ruler of this day uh, and of this, of this time. And and we know that, uh, that he imposed uh, so much strictness upon the church uh, that it cost them their lives. Nero himself uh, killed Paul and Peter. So uh, we see here where Paul is addressing in the reign of the emperor of Rome that had him killed. He's saying, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Uh, and so we get into this right here, and we, we try and really understand the weight of what Paul is saying. Uh, and Paul was a man... Uh, he served in the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. We understand that he has a long, extensive Jewish history, that he was an uh, incredible man of God, uh, that he was very knowledgeable, but yet he surrendered and he subjected himself unto 
the civil authorities of that day and time, and we can say that the civil authorities is our government. We know that we have a U.S. Constitution. We preached about this on Sunday morning. We, uh, as a as we live in this land and country, the United States, we have a lot of liberties and we have a lot of, listen, this country was established on the, on the premise of freedom of religion. And because we have freedom of, of religion, we don't have a lot of opposition that we have uh, right now in, in, in all these other countries around us. <clears throat> we talk about uh, being persecuted. Uh, and friends, listen, we, we want to talk about this. We're not going to spend a lot of time with this. But listen, we, we get into this point where we have persecution in the church. Uh, listen, but we see the persecution that is persistent and prevalent, uh, that prevails uh, across the borders is much more extreme and much more stringent than what we go through into, in, in, in our Western ideology of Christianity. Listen, we're not killed uh, for going to church. We have a church on every corner. Thank God we have uh, multiple preachers. Thank God for our preachers. Thank God for this land, for this freedom of religion that we have. We need to take, take advantage of the opportunity that God has provided us. Uh, because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what will befall us. We don't know uh, what uh, uh, lies out in front of us. Listen, we see the, uh, and I talk about this a lot, but we see the status uh, of society, and we gauge the temperature of everything that's going on around us, uh, and we see that things are not uh, getting better, and they're not going in favor of Christianity, of the gospel. We need to understand that this has been a recurring theme all throughout history. Uh, Francis, the United States of America ha has lived in one of the most uh, blessed states uh, and most protected uh, regions, especially where the gospel has had liberty and freedom to be preached. Now, listen. We get into this, and I want to say this, and thank God for the land and country we live in. There's a lot of people say that there's a lot of things wrong in this culture, in this country, and I understand, and I would agree with you to a certain extent, but I still say this. We have more freedoms, liberties, and privileges uh, than most other people uh, in the free world. But we thank God that we have this opportunity. We need to take advantage of this opportunity that God has given us. But Paul tells us right here, he says, be subject unto the higher powers. And he's talking about the civil authorities. So he'd be said, he said, be subject uh, unto the, or, uh, be subject unto the higher powers of the civil authorities. So we see our government structure that are around us, a lot of things that we don't agree with. Uh, listen, a lot of things that we'll never be able to reconcile. But the Bible teaches us and tells us as a Christian community that we should uh, should subject ourselves into the civil authorities. Friends, listen, uh, now does that mean we need to compromise our convictions? No, the scripture does not tell us to do that, but it does tell us uh, to live in compliance. Listen, when Jesus was brought and accusation was brought against him, when he was brought, uh, listen, to Pilate, uh, of Rome that day. You know what the Bible tells us about him? There was no fault found him, uh, no fault found in him. A lot of people, they only restrict that down uh, to his violation of the Jewish law, but that also, uh, it, it overflows into the civil authorities. He'd done nothing. The same accusation was brought against Paul. They could find nothing that he had done wrong, and that was even against the civil authorities. So he lived in accordance to the land where he was, 
but yet he stood on his principles. He stood on his convictions. He preached the gospel. He preached uh, the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. He, he met things head on. He didn't avert them. He didn't sweep them under the rug. And a lot of churches today, listen, all, all we want to do, we want to get to the place and point where we just want to sweep things under the rug. We don't want to talk about them. We don't want to address them. We don't want to deal with them. I just, we just want to get rid of them. But friends, the Bible teaches us today that we should confront these things that we need to teach and preach. Uh, listen, uh, the whole counsel of the Word of God, for we preach and teach the whole counsel of the Word of God, uh, and we live in accordance with our civil authorities, we have to understand that God is sovereign in all things. And when we talk about that word sovereignty, Friends, listen, that does not mean that God has meticulous reign and rule over every single breath that we breathe. Uh, listen, uh, friends, does that mean that, uh, that our breath, listen, comes from God? Absolutely. He is our sovereign king. But he is, does not meticulously determine and control every single uh, specific aspect of our lives. God has given us free volitional will. With our free volitional will, we have the authority to make choices in our lives. Lives. But we also have to live with the consequences of those choices that we make. And, we, and listen, with those consequences, we have, we talked about wheel setters again last week, and we've addressed this and talked about this uh, 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 several weeks ago when we were walking through the book of Romans. But we need to understand that the scripture tells us that we have. Uh, we have free volitional will. We can make choices, uh, and, and with those choices also come consequences. Uh, we can't choose not to choose those things, and when we make a choice, we ha have consequences to deal with, and we cannot choose our consequences. You see, Francis, and there are things and specific things, but God is sovereign in all things. Friends, listen, he is not a king that meticulously rules and governs every single thing, but he is sovereign over all things. He is sovereign over all things. Amen. That does not mean that he has to control every specific thing. A lot of people, they, they, they uh, take contradiction with this and they'll say, well, uh, that, that, that's not what I believe, preacher. But listen, we need to understand that uh, the, the scripture tells us absolutely emphatically in Acts chapter number 17, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. That is God's exercise sovereignty. Uh, and listen, his exercise in sovereignty tells us that it, listen, that he it has all power. That's what the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 18. For I have all power in heaven and in earth. Amen. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. John 1 and 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him without him. There's nothing, nothing made that is made. So friends, listen, we have God's sovereign authority. We have God's sovereign, sovereign rule. Listen, he places, he appoints, and he directs. And friends, listen, when he places and appoints and directs, he leaves it up to man to make the choices that are necessary to live out his life. Friends, God has a purpose. God has a will for your life. Friends, Brandon and I discussed this a couple weeks ago. Friends, listen, God has a perfect, listen, he has a perfect will for our lives. 
But friends, listen, and also in that direct will for our lives, God gives us choice. God gives us choice. And when we make choices in our life, God does not overpower or overburden our choices, but yet he sets things in our path to direct our choices, but he does not violate our freedom. Does God have the authority to violate our freedom? Absolutely. Does he make direct changes in our lives in certain uh, certain circumstances and for certain purposes? Absolutely. Yes, he does. God intervenes. God is sovereign. God can do what he wants to do. But ultimately, he wants a creature. Uh, listen, he wants creatures. He wants you and I. He wants individuals, human persons. Uh, to respond freely and positively to his love, to his gospel. And listen, when we respond positively positively to his love and to his gospel, then we know that we are walking in accordance with his will. Amen. And we walk in accordance with with his with God's will, then we know that we have direction, not only direction, but we know that we have proper instruction and direction in our lives. So friends, listen. God does not impede uh, all the time, but he can sometimes. Amen. Why? Because he's God and he's sovereign. He is the ruler over all things. So the Bible says, let every soul be subject uh, uh, unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. So friends, listen, what he's driving to is an overarching theme is this. Uh, friends, listen, he said all the civil authorities and the powers that now be, uh, listen, and he's writing to the church at Rome in this present, uh, or at that present time, but it now applies to us in our present time. So listen, we should give way and be, uh, live uh, civil among our authorities, among our leaders. Uh, friends, we should, institu- uh, the institutes that we have before us, we should subject ourselves to them. Ultimately, Ultimately, we need to have this concept, though, for there's no other power but of God. Thankfully, friends, listen, as I've already quoted in Matthew 2018, uh, 2818, uh, listen, uh, for he has all power in heaven and in earth. And so, friends, listen, we know that he is sovereign, that he is God, and that ultimately, friend, this present world, that's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he says this, he said, if I had hope in this world only, I'd be of all men most miserable. See, friends, listen, that's what he also said as we address uh, in 1 Peter chapter number 5, 2 Peter chapter number 5, he said, if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So friends, listen, we can take satisfaction in the fact that we know that God has all things sovereignly under his control, that we are only temporarily passing through this present world and land. And friends, listen, as he addresses in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, he also says this, that we are just strangers and pilgrims walking through a strange land looking for a city who have foundations, which have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So friends, listen. Now we read the conclusion of this verse. He said, the powers that be are, are ordained of God. Friends, listen, and there again we have God's exercise in sovereignty. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, you read it, uh, listen, the, the, the scripture tells us that he directs the hearts of the kings. And friends, listen today. Uh, listen, I want to tell you something, friends. God gives us direction. We have, if we've been saved by the uh, by the Holy Spirit of God, if we have uh, believed, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 1, in whom after you believed, uh, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest 
uh, earnest of your inheritance unto the purchase of the prized possession. So, friends, listen, we understand that after by faith through grace, when we exercise uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, for by grace you saved through faith, nothing of yourselves. So, friends, listen, when we believe and we exercise faith that, we, that he has measured to every man, when we exercise those things, he therefore saves us by grace through our faith, which he has given us. Uh, friends, listen, and he makes us children of God. When he makes us children of God, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.13 that he fills us with the Holy Spirit, which is a seal or a mark upon the children of God. And when he seals us with that Holy Spirit of promise, which the Bible dictates to his friends, listen. We must understand that when he seals us with that Holy Spirit of promise, that he, that he patterns and he redirects our lives. We no longer can choose the things that we once wanted to choose because we are now a new creature. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I said 2 Peter a minute ago, and that's 2 Corinthians. I apologize. Right, listen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, because also in verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So, friends, listen, now as we move forward this, we uh, in, the first about, uh, in the first seven verses right here, Paul addresses how we should interact and how we should live in accordance with our civil leaders. Now, the Bible tells us in, in verse number 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. These are strong words, especially in the days and times which we're living, right? Uh, friends, listen. I believe to friends today that, uh, listen, that they are purposes and they are directives. Listen, do we understand them all? No, we don't understand them all, but it is, is it for us to understand ultimately at the end of the day? Absolutely not. It is not for us to understand, but it is up to us to accept these things and to live as civilly responsible as we possibly can. Right, listen, now the Bible tells us right here, uh, he said, for whosoever resistance of these things, they ultimately resist. Resist the ordinance of God, uh, and they that resist receive to themselves damnation or punishment. So the Bible tells us in verse number three, said, "For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same." So, friends, listen. We should try our best and listen. Most people that I know, they try and do these things, and it even addresses these things right here. I, listen, we try and pay our taxes. Listen, I, I tell you, I look at my paycheck when I get it every two weeks, and listen, the government takes a big bite out of it. I, listen, I take a large majority. I, listen, and, and, and uh, uh, of every one of us, listen, as we work for the things that we have, listen, we must pay homage uh, to our civil leaders around us. And listen, these, these are biblical principles. Now listen, have they taken it uh, in, in, in way too far in, in, in extreme? Uh, yeah, they probably have. Uh, but friends, listen, we need to understand today that we live in much better times uh, today, especially in the days and times that, that Paul is writing and addressing the church at Rome. Uh, friends, listen, we need to understand that uh, to be a Caesar, uh, listen, after he had crucified Christ, listen, and we go through all these emperors of Rome, uh, Caligia and Claudius and Nero, ultimately leading to Vespasian, who also led to Titus, who destroyed the uh, uh, Jerusalem in AD 70. 
uh, at Vespasian's hand. Then we go on to Domitian, who ultimately tried to kill John. Uh, listen, and we understand that uh, we get to all the persecution and the severity of times in which these biblical writers, who ultimately it cost them their lives. Friends, listen, that's what I, I can't get past in today's modernized America that we live in. We've also modernized the gospel. And we wanted it to fit our present circumstances. We don't want to, uh, we don't, the, uh, listen, we, we, we have this doctrine floating around that the church will never incur any wrath and they'll never go through any kind of tribulation. There'll never be anything required of them, which is just unfounded in all, listen, uh, uh, predominantly unbiblical. Friends, listen, we need to understand that, the, uh, listen, all, all 12 of the first apostles died of martyrdom. Uh, listen, and then we go on, uh, listen to those that came after that had the uh, apostolic gift. We get to Paul himself. He was ultimately murdered. The only one who died a natural death was John the Revelator, John the Apostle. And friends, listen, it wasn't from lack of trying. They tried to boil him in a basin of oil, but the oil wouldn't burn, so they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And while he was on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And he began to write and, 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 and give us the revelation that we have recorded in uh, in the revelation. So, friends, listen, we need to understand that the, if we want more, it will require that we sacrifice more. And that's something that the church today just cannot physically wrap their minds around. And the reason, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the reason that the majority of the church is convinced of this is because of the doctrines that we have adopted as a church. Listen, John Darby Nelson, in 1830, he introduced uh, this uh, he introduced this doctrine of dispensationalism, which teaches, uh, listen, that the church will be raptured away, that they'll never uh, endure any tribulation, that they'll never endure any hard times. Friends, listen, in 1830, for 1830 years, the church never taught this doctrine. They never believed this doctrine. Listen, this is not this is not what I'm just spewing out, friends. Listen, go read it for yourselves. It's it's well documented, uh, friends, and I don't understand how the church church has swallowed it. Hook, line, and sinker, friends, listen, but it's lulled us into a state where we don't believe that we are required to do anything. But Paul rectifies that at the end of this chapter, and we'll move forward with that. But the Bible says in verse number four, for he is the minister of God uh, to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth uh, not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So, friends, what he's saying is, listen, we should surrender ourselves. We should do our uh, do what is required from us from a civil standpoint. We should ratify those things. We should do those things as long as they don't cause a, contra uh, a contradiction or a compromise in our convictions. Friends, listen, the Bible tells us in verse number six, for ye, uh, for, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending to continue upon this very thing. And he's talking about uh, paying taxes, essentially. He said, render therefore to all their dues, tribute uh, to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear uh, to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Friends, listen, we need to understand that we've lived into a society, into a state, into a time. Uh, listen, where there is no more respect for virtually anybody. Uh, friends, listen, uh, we just do, uh, 
I, I want to say this, and, and I say this lightly, uh, because I know that there ha has been a, a lot of hard times in the history of this world, and the only one that we can judge and analyze is the one that we know. But friends, listen, we must uh, uh, come to the understanding that all through the history of time, uh, there has been a rise in evil. Uh, friends, listen, that's why when Paul and Peter and John, when they addressed and when they wrote the scripture, when they wrote the word of God, they were presently then looking for the coming of their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't believe that it was going to be 2,000 years off. They believed that it would be tomorrow. They believed that uh, all these things around us, friends, listen, we need to understand this. We have this new introduction of doctrine today that, listen, that tells us we have to pay attention of, to current events to see when the Lord is coming, and that's just not biblical. Friends, listen, if we can't deduce from the Word of God uh, that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is imminently returning, uh, friends, listen, then we don't, need, uh, we don't need external resources. We don't need anybody else's opinion. We need to take the Word of God for what it says. <clears throat> now, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom customers do, fear for whom fear, honor to whom honor. And I said this to get to this point. Uh, friends, listen, the, the, the state of respect in, in this country, in this present time, has, has fell by the wayside. It seems like, listen to me, and I'm not saying this because I am one, but it seems like that the respect for the preacher is gone. The respect for the deacon is gone. Now, ha have we done disservice and have we violated it by not fulfilling those offices correctly? Yes, I would say that that's absolutely true. But we live in a state in a time, and this is where I was going just a few minutes ago, but we see this uh, almost reminiscent of what's recorded in Matthew chapter number 24 when the Bible says, as it were in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. For every man will do what is right in their own eyes. And friends, listen, uh, we see this today. But listen, I'm going to tell you, this has been a recurring theme down through history. But friends, listen, and that just speaks uh, to the evil heart of man. Listen, our wickedness for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is a byproduct of sin of which in which we are uh, born into, friends. This is not inherited guilt, but this inherited sin. Well, listen, we are born uh, detractors because we have this sin uh, that is uh, inherently born into us. And because of that, uh, friends, listen to me, it causes us uh, to choose those things which are evil and wicked and turn from those things which are good and clean. And clean. But now, friends, listen, we get into verse number 8. He sums up this, and I'll say this because I want to spend a little time on these last few verses and then we'll be done. But in verse number 8, the Bible says, Oh, no man anything. But to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Owe oh, no man anything. Boy, I tell you something, friends, listen, we, we get, I myself, I'll say owe me to this. We get ourselves indebted to others. Uh, friends, listen, whether, you know, listen, we've got uh, the vast majority of people that I know, some that, some that I know don't, but listen, we've got mortgages, we've got car loans, we've got everything else, listen, and, and we get to a point where we, where we are bound uh, 
uh, listen, our masters are those that we serve. And friends, listen, if we're serving those uh, that have control over us, ultimately, then we are not wholeheartedly and holistically dedicated, sold out entirely to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, uh, listen, that's that's a lot to think about, and uh, it's a heavy thought, and it's burdensome for me, and I hope it is for all of us. But listen, we get into this in verse number nine, and I want to move on. It says, for this thou shalt not commit adultery. Now this he's talking about, this is in conclusion to the uh, latter part of verse number eight. He said, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So what what can we do to actually exemplify and show that we love one another? Uh, Listen, thou shalt not commit adultery. Amen. That's primary. uh, Listen, uh, that's a number one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Friends, listen, all these things, listen, we can't say that we love our brothers and sisters when we have people that are wrecking homes and breaking up marriages. Friends, listen, nobody wants to address and talk about these things anymore, but these are biblical principles which we should institute in our lives. Uh, Listen, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. If we demonstrate love, if we demonstrate love, a demonstration of love is fulfilled in the culmination of uh, the text in verse number nine. Thou shalt not commit adultery, shall not kill, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, witness, and thou shalt not covet. Friends, listen, we talk about the laws of civility, and we address these five commandments right here that Paul addresses. These are laws of civility to our neighbor, and Jesus simplified those commandments when he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, listen, if we demonstrate the love of Christ in our own lives, listen, we should also demonstrate this love in civility to our brethren, which is we should not commit adultery. Amen? Uh, friends, listen, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Friends, listen, when we, when we address everything that is going on in the climate of our current society and nation, this is where we get to. Uh, friends, listen, when we get to this culmination, do I want to address this. I want to address this. Absolutely. Do black lives matter? Yes, they absolutely do matter. White lives. The first song that I ever uh, learned as a child, red, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. Amen. That is the first song that I was taught. That was my first introduction to the gospel. And because that was my first introduction to the gospel, we must also understand that Christ died for all. Does he love all? Yes. That is what our mission is, friends. Listen, is to reach a lost and dying world for the cause and the purpose of our Savior Jesus Christ. When you start implementing, uh, when you start implementing ideology that certain people matter more than others, that's when you are violating the gospel, friends. Listen to me. Am I superior or better than anybody else? Absolutely not, friends. Listen, I'm glad that God went to the bottom of the barrel, hallelujah, when he gloriously saved me. Friends, listen, we need to understand these are godly principles that we should follow and we should look after, friend. If we would institute these, and listen, and we would have pleasure in the civility where we treat and we love one another, 
Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Uh, Listen, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you, I'm not having this conversation. Uh, Friends, I am not having this conversation that modern society has brought up to the forefront. Listen to me. If they want to have a conversation with me about civility, I'm going to address them with the scripture. Amen. Uh, Listen, if we address things with the word of God, uh, friends, listen, we'll never have to pick a side. Amen. I I don't want to pick a side. I don't want to stand on this side or this side. I want to stand where God stands. I want to stand where the word stands. And listen, this is scripture that we have. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no will to his neighbor. Who is our neighbor? (laughs) Amen. Isn't this a question that Jesus asked? Who is our neighbor? Am I my brother's keeper? Friends, listen. Hey, to the left and to the right are our neighbors. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are our brother's keeper. We are to love. Friends, listen, we are to love. We are, hey, listen, we are to love one another. The Bible tells us right here, we should love thy neighbor as thyself. Friends, if we would introduce the biblical and gospel principle, a lot of this mess that is transpiring in this present tense world that we are living with would go by the wayside because, friends, listen, we need to understand we need to love our neighbor who is our neighbor. It's all men. Amen. I'm glad, friends, listen, I preached this in Zechariah chapter 13 on Sunday morning. When Jesus stated these words, listen, when they talked about the wounds and the things that he had suffered, he said, these are things that I suffered in the house of my friends. Thankful friends, hey, I'm thankful that he loved us when we were unlovable. Thank God that his grace is sufficient when we are unworthy and undeserving of it. Thank God that he shows us mercy when he should show us justice. Friends, listen, I just want to say, Hey, if we could just get back to the biblical principles, if everybody could crawl out of their own mind for just a few minutes, friends, listen, and we could steer clear of this ideology that Jesus even tells us and warns us of, and I quoted a minute ago in Matthew 24, as it were in the days of Noah, listen, the constitution of everything that, listen, what becomes right is what every man can can cultivate in his own mind. But friends, listen to me. Uh, Right and wrong is not subjective. Friends, listen, we have godly principles for what is right and for what is wrong. Listen, friends, uh, morality is not subjective. It is objective. And that object of our morality, uh, friends, is God. And God is the object of our uh, morality and God has given us his word as that object which we could take direction from. It is not subjective. That's what the Bible warns against is when people think that what they're doing is right in their own minds. That is when it is a violation. And that's when we get into subjectivity and walk away from objectivity. And when we walk away from objectivity, we also in turn walk away from God. When we walk away from God, we walk away from his word, which is our roadmap and our instruction to live civilly with our neighbor because the Bible tells us to love one another as ourselves. Now listen, now we get into verse number 11, 12, 13, uh, and 14. And this is what I want to spend a few minutes on. I've got a few minutes and I want to take them. 
And listen, the Bible says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time. What time is it? It is high time. It is past time. That means that this is expedient. And that knowing the time. Now listen, I want you to remember this. Now this was written in A.D. 57. Amen. Paul is calling to expediency the church in A.D. 57. And that knowing the time, that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Friends, listen. First thing I want to bring to the forefront is when it's time to awake. Friends, listen. When is it time to awake? Now. Now is the time to awake. Why? Because now is our salvation nearer. Friends, listen to me. The Bible tells us uh, three score and ten years is what's appointed unto man. We're only promised 70 years. Uh, listen, uh, and we're not even promised those. But friends, listeners, we understand that. Uh, that's what the Bible tells us, three score and ten years. So listen, we get to this point right here, and, and we get to this understanding. Listen, we need to move with an expediency. We need to move with fervency. We need to, uh, we need to study the Word of God. We need to consume it as, as much and as fast and as feverishly as we possibly can. We need to be able to understand what the Word of God is telling us, what the Word of God is teaching us. Why? Because our time is expeditiously, expeditiously leaving us Friends, listen, it is vanishing and it is extinguishing. We can't recall a minute. We can't recall a second, a time, a day, or an hour. We must do what we... Oh, listen. Hey, just like Jesus told Judas as he sat at the at the last supper with, with Christ, he said, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. Friends, listen to me. In the last chapter of the book of Revelation, in Revelation 22, the Bible said, he said, behold, I come quickly. Amen. I am uh, waiting. I am desperately looking for the appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I believe that he's coming. I believe that he's coming. And I believe that he's coming. Friends, listen, if, he, and if I pillar me here, if I pillar my head tonight and I do not see his return, I'm going to, if God allows me to wake in the morning, I'm going to plant my eyes toward the eastern sky and wait for his return. Because, friends, listen, I know that it's a promise. And I said this and said this on Sunday morning. We need to understand that we serve a God who lives outside of time. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter he said, for a day uh, with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as, is as a day. We need to understand when we uh, think in context of eternity, friends, listen to me. When we think in context of eternity, it has no beginning, it has no end. Friends, listen, it's a constant eternal day. Uh, because, friends, listen, what we see is times and years and suffering and trials and tribulations. Uh, my friends, listen, is not even a blink in the, in, in the perspective of heaven. And when we put things in perspective of eternity. So the Bible tells us that we need to move fervishly and expediently, that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Amen. It's time to wake out of sleep. Friends, listen, I remember when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he left Peter and John. He went on about a stone's cast and he went to pray. The scripture says that he went and prayed and he come back and he found them asleep. Uh, and Jesus went back and listen. <laughs> And the scripture says that he went back and he prayed again and he came back and he found him sleeping yet once again and he told him just to sleep on. I do not want to be that servant. I don't want to be the one that Christ says will sleep on. If you're not going to wake up, if you're not going to do anything, then just stay where you are and sleep on. Uh, friends, listen to me. I believe, friends, that I have a fire burning inside of me and I. my prayer, my earnest, fervent prayer is that God would light a fire in every born again 
born-again Christian that, that would call us to action and understand that it's time. Now is the time. Not tomorrow. Not, not when we get ready. Not when we've studied well and sufficient enough. But now is the time that we should take hold of the plow and move forward. So first off, it's when is it, when is it time to awake? Friends, when, when is it time to wake up now? For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In verse 12, uh, listen, the Bible tells us the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Amen. The night is far spent. What, what, what times are we living in right now? We're living in the night. Friends, listen, we're not living in the daytime. The Bible tells us, listen, and I know this is not uh, the uh, direct one-to-one -one correlation, but the Bible tells us we now see through a glass darkly. So, friends, listen, we see through a glass darkly, but one day face-to-face, -face, friends, listen to me, while we are bound to this uh, sinful state in which we dwell here now, uh, friends, listen to me, we are in the night. We are not in the day. Friends, listen, when we enter into that day, uh, when we when we uh, finally realize and we uh, when we uh, adopt, when the, when the spirit of adoption becomes reality of adoption, when the wedding supper is complete and when we are united uh, with our bridegroom, the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, then will we be in the day. But the Bible says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So friends, listen. So he first tells us when to wake. Second, he tells us how to dress. Amen. Uh, friends, listen. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Friends, listen. Uh, the Bible tells, tells us that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into his light. So, friends, listen. We read in, in Ephesians chapter number 6, he said, For we wrestle not against principalities, against, uh, for we, excuse me, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high place, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, above all the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I believe I missed one, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But friends, listen to me. When we get to this understanding right here, Paul wrote those as well. So when we get to that understanding, friends, listen, he's telling us to clothe ourselves, cast off the works of darkness. Listen, the the, the putrid thoughts and flames that run through our minds, friends, listen, he said, cast these things off because now it is time to wake up. Now it is time to cast off the works of darkness. Now it is time to clothe ourselves with the armor of light. Now then he tells us, how to walk. He said, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and in envy. And friends, listen, so many of us get locked up in this reciprocal state. Friends, listen, we don't want to walk honestly because we're too busy state, uh, stu uh, stuck in a state of riding and wanting in our minds. Listen, we're constantly warring and we are constantly Friends, listen, we're, we want more than we have. We, we get so caught up in our minds, listen, and this drunkenness right here, friends, we think about this, the state of sobriety uh, and being drunken with darkness, friends, listen, uh, that's not uh, <clears throat> when we talk about 
uh, beer and alcohol and everything else. Listen, you can take it that way if you want to, but friends, listen to me. What he's talking about here specifically is being drunkenness with darkness, and that is to be uh, overcome with a state where we can't even get out of our own way. We want things. We desire things. There is a constant war because we are drunk, and listen, we are drunk with the darkness, and we want the darkness to have, uh, we want the darkness to have primary focus in our life. I heard a story the other day, and I was going to tell this when I just now thought about it. Friends, listen, uh, there was a man, he had 100 acres for sale. Uh, listen, and there was uh, his neighboring farmer come over to him, and he told him, he said, I want to buy your land. Uh, and he said, I'll sell you 99 acres. He said, but there's one acre right in the middle that I love. And he said, I'm not going to sell you that one acre. Uh, listen, but he said, I'll sell you all 99 of the other acres. And listen, uh, they finally agreed on a price. It was a steal of a deal. And friends, listen, the other man, he, he took the 99 acres and he began to establish it. He worked the fields. He farmed it. He, he began to cultivate his seeds. But during the process of all this time, he said the one farmer that kept that one acre in the middle of this field, he was going in and out, in and out. So he had to go all the way across all the other land that this man had tilled and he'd worked and he had garnered and he had labored and slaved over. And over a period in a process of time to get to that one acre in the middle, he was destroying all the 99 acres around him. And friends, from that, I gather this. There are so many of God's children, they've sold 99 acres to the Lord, but yet they've retained one. And because they've retained one, they are tearing up everything around that one acre in the middle because they're not willing to surrender everything to the Lord. And until you get to the point where you are 100% sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ, you are stuck in a rigorous circle of darkness. Why? Because everything that you're trying to establish, everything good that you're trying to do in your life, you have the devil running in and out of it. Uh, friends, listen to me. Try and listen. Ultimately, what it does is it just, just, just destroys everything around you because you won't surrender all things. So he tells us when it's time to wake. He tells us how to dress, and he tells us how to walk. In verse number 14, he sums it up with this. He said, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to feel, fulfill the lust thereof. Friends, listen to me. I'm telling you, listen, hell's half acre or hell's acre, as I just told you, hell's acre that's in the middle of us. Friends, listen, it's time to surrender and it's time to sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we get back over here to Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 2. This is why this scripture is so precious to me. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed, metamorphosized. If you remember me talking about this, be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Friends, listen to me. It takes work. It takes effort. There's a lot of people today that want to put the work and the effort into their Christianity. It takes work. we got to pick this word of God up. We've got to get down on our knees. Friends, listen to me. If we don't put that time, if we don't put that work, and if we don't put that effort into those things, then I'm going to tell you something, friends, listen, we'll never be any better off than we already are. 
So many people, they're so stuck in this rigorous circle of mire and they, they feel like they're just constantly spinning their wheels and it's because the devil's running all over them just to get to the one acre that they got surrendered, got surrendered to Satan and all the powers of darkness. Friends, listen, in my heart's desire, this is a challenge to the saved. This is, really is a challenge to the saved. Won't you just get down on your knees right now, wherever you are, in, in the car, pull over, if you in the house, get down where you are and surrender all. Boy, friends, today, listen to me. I want to see a great resurgence. I want to see a great revival in the church. Friends, listen, will we see it? Will we know it? I don't know if we will or not. I know this. The Bible tells us when we see these things transpiring, going on around us, you know what the Bible said. He said, look up for your depths and draw nigh. My heart's desire is, is to, to see people say, friends, listen, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Friends, listen, we hold on to things, and we just don't want to let them go. I remembered, listen, I was saved as an eight-year-old boy. And I got way out, way far out into the world. And I finally got my life right when I was a 19-year-old man. <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you something. All that putrid darkness, sin, and wickedness that I had allowed to be poured into my life for 10 or 11 years took a long, long time, a lot of work and a lot of effort. Friends, a lot of work. That's what the Bible tells us. He said, listen, a lot of people... I take this verse out of context sometimes. And when they say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, there's a lot of people talking about uh, well, that only applies to the specific moment of salvation. Uh, I agree that you have to work out your own salvation individually, but that's not the context and the perspective of that verse. What the perspective and the context of that verse is, is to work. Listen, when you get saved, that's the beginning. When you get saved, that's the beginning of the process of sanctification. That's the beginning of the process of the transformation of the metamorphosis that that transpires and takes place. And friends, listen, some people never get to, uh, to to turn into that. They never turn. They never fully turn from a caterpillar to a butterfly because they never surrender the things in their life that are required. Friends, listen, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, it's time. That transformation process, it takes time. It takes prayer. It takes prayer. It takes getting down on your knees. I remember, I remember, I remember as a 19-year-old man. I got down on my knees and I said, God... Uh, the words that are coming out of my mouth, I hate, and I know you hate. But God, I've said them for so long that I can't even talk any other way. And God, I need you to help me. Uh, friends, listen, I, the desires that I have in my heart and in my life, God, I desire them and I want You know what the Bible said? Friends, listen, do not ever, that, listen to me, do not ever listen to somebody who tells you that there's no pleasure in sin. You know what the Bible said? There's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. There is pleasure in sin. Don't let nobody ever lie to you. Don't let nobody ever tell you that there's not, because that's why people fall prey to it. 
People fall prey to it because there is pleasure in it. But friends, listen to me. When we come out and we surrender all things to the light and we try to walk out of darkness, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It requires work. It requires work. And I believe, believe, friends, listen, I believe that the church needs to hear this. We've got to put some work into this thing. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he's talking about. From the moment that you're saved until the moment that we step into the eternal with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and glorified. And listen, when we understand that the fruition and the finality of all things is consummated, we should work out our own salvation. How should we do it? With fear and with trembling. What about that? It's time to put some work in. We should fear the, the one we serve. We should tremble at his voice. And we should love. God bless you tonight. We love you. We appreciate you. And, and we're thankful that we were able to get through a whole chapter uh, in one hour. Amen. Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. Hey, remember, uh, coming up July 26th, I think I, I say that wrong every time. It may be the 27th. Let me look. Yep, July 26th, begin our summer revival, brother. Cody Riley, brother. Chad, they'll be with us. We're running at 7, uh, seven I believe, 7 o'clock. Uh, uh, we're going to have a discussion with the church on Sunday about this, but uh, I believe we'll be meeting at 7 o'clock <clears throat> through Saturday night. Night services only. We won't be having day service. Uh, but uh, let's remember these men as they're coming. Let's be praying for our revival. Let's pray for the lost. Let's pray that God sends the lost in. We certainly want to see them saved. Uh, uh, We've presented a place for them. Let's put the work in. Amen. God will bless. God will bless your life. God will bless us all if we'll put the work in. If we'll put the work in. God bless you. We love you, and we appreciate you.